Folks, the best value at Manager Tools is to buy an annual license to our material. For $200 a year, you get access to show notes for every single show produced over 100 a year, plus our entire archive of nearly a thousand shows. You wouldn't want to print it out all in one place. It'd be a management Wikipedia, and it'd be probably 5,000 pages. You get all that, plus access to things I think I think, and even more powerfully, the interview creation tool, which may be our strongest and most least known digital tool that we have, and more digital tools to come in the future, available only to licensees. Ask another licensee. They'll tell you it is the best value they have. Welcome to Rurik Tools. Our guidance on personal finance basics, investing. Here we go. Okay, Wendy, so we're not investment experts, but we also know that we have fielded many, many questions from people who had to find a job right away because they were unable to go any period of time because they didn't have any savings, because they didn't have any retirement, because they didn't have any investments. And lots of people who did do that and who said, uh, I got a job within two months because they weren't worrying about the money because they had the six months saved. Yeah, having having the, the backstop uh, helps enormously in terms of being able to focus you um, and avoids you having to take a job that may look bad on your resume for six months. Okay, so we're going to talk about personal finance in a series of casts that relate to your career. And in this first one, we're going to talk about investing because investing for one's own future um, is something that we have to do. 30 years ago, people didn't have to do it nearly as much. Many people did, but 30 years ago, you didn't have to because companies were managing your retirement, but not anymore. So what's our outline? First of all, we're going to say invest 20% of your income. We're going to tell you to put it in low-cost index funds, and we'll explain what those are. Then uh, don't try to predict the market and keep it simple. Yeah, good ones. Well, let's start then first with invest 20%. We we have to make a caveat to that, folks, because those of you listening for quite a while know that um, our first ever guidance on personal finance, even though we didn't talk about it that way, was to save up over the course of time, six months worth of your salary, which is essentially an insurance policy against a sudden layoff or a sudden downturn. We're recording this in 2015, but in 2008, um, during the financial crisis, we actually went to New York and presented a career crisis conference for those people who were affected in the financial world by uh, the difficult financial times and, and, and essentially, therefore, job times. We always recommend you have that six months worth of savings. And in the beginning of your career, probably in your first year, if you're just out of college or university, in that first year, if you could save 20% a month for a year, you'd end up with two months worth of your six months. You don't have to do a great deal of investing in that first year. Um, if you wanted to do 10% investing and 10% savings, that's fine. Um, but believe me, almost everyone we know who has had a career crisis or a difficult situation or a move that was required by family or something unusual health uh, in, in their first year have all discovered that they were had been living on 
all of their money and then then some using credit cards and they suddenly discovered how easy it was to cut back enormously and i can't tell you the number of people who are comfortable saying i'm just going to cut a bunch of stuff out and one of the biggest things i think that works against us is the feeling of embarrassment that people will say wow you didn't you know gee whiz you know you can't afford it or you got to do that or wow that's um, and in fact, the smart people say, I'm not living my life for you. And the bottom line here is I have to take care of myself for the long term. The last thing you want to do is ruin your credit or put yourself in a completely untenable situation um, where you have the stress of bill collectors and so on. So in the first year, really spend more time saving to have that six-month insurance policy, if you will, in cash. And by the way, it can be in a savings account, not that savings account make much money, but it can't be in investments and not available to you. Generally, during our guidance here, we will separate savings and investment in our heads, and we hope you do as well in your heads, as savings being immediately readily available and completely liquid, whereas investing is less liquid. There are some ways to invest that, that are more liquid, but generally speaking, those have tax disadvantages. And we don't recommend you do that because we're going to later recommend you invest money pre-tax. Okay, so in the first year, let's make sure we focus primarily on getting our savings up to the level where if we have a bobble and we need a couple of months where to search for a new job, um, you'll be able to do that and you won't feel the stress of having to have income day five or day 10. The benefit of being young is only having a month or two months is probably okay because your expenses are so few when you're when you've just graduated. The older you get, the more monthly expenses there are, and the harder it is to go with only one or two months savings. Yeah. So again, in that first year, still we need to live. We need to learn to live on eighty to ninety percent of our income, and this is eighty to ninety percent of your income after right? They take out taxes. So whatever your take-home pay is, multiply that by 0.8 or 0.9. Going back over my life, if I could do it differently, I wouldn't have chosen 0.9. And at times I went to 0.95. I would have gone to 0.8. And nowadays, just the cost of Starbucks and traveling is enough to make a difference. And you don't need to drink world-class coffee. You can drink just regular old coffee, like coffee from a mug you travel with, and save your money early on. Okay. That said, we're also going to recommend you invest in your future. The difference in a person who starts investing when they're 35 because they'll have money then, someone who starts when they're 20 is enormous thanks to the time value of money. Um, Wendy, let's give them some guidance about roughly what to invest in and how with the understanding, folks, that some of you are investment uh, geeks, you love investing. You want to spend tons of time in it. We're not talking to you. Um, we're talking to the people who want to focus on their career and managing their money reasonably, knowing full well that um, over the course of their career, if they're careful and frugal, they'll get where they need to go. But for most of us, the amount of time we could spend learning enough about investing to make a difference in our own portfolios is wasted compared to having spent that time either with your family or, more importantly, with your career. So, 
our first bit of guidance there then, Wendy, is put your money in low-cost index funds. Yes. When I was writing this, um, I knew the answer was put it in low-cost index funds, but I wanted to find out more about it because I'm fairly financially clueless. And the first piece of information I found was that Warren Buffett recommends this for everyone. So when he dies, his wife's, like the money his wife gets, 90% of it is going in, in de- low-cost index funds. That's what he's told the lawyer to do. Yeah. Um, and then when he met LeBron James, who you would think has enough money, right? He said to him, invest in low-cost index funds. Like it's his first piece of advice for everybody. Yeah. And this is LeBron James who has tens of millions, probably at this point, hundreds of millions of dollars, has the ability with that amount of money, you might think, those of us who are making 50 or 100 or $150,000 a year, you might think, well, he has the ability to go, you know, start a restaurant. He has the ability to invest in a real estate investment trust, what is known as a REIT or a right. And Warren Buffett says, don't do that. Um, don't do that. There is almost no reward without risk in the world, certainly in the world of finance. And when the reward goes up enormously, the chances go up enormously, you also greatly increase your chances that you go to zero. And you can't go any lower than zero. So if you're gonna go from a thousand to a billion, that amount of increase has to be balanced by, since you can't go to negative a billion, that amount of reward has to come with a much greater chance you could go to zero. Okay, so he recommended this to his wife and to LeBron James. He recommended it to lots of people, but I thought that was telling that his family and someone with a huge amount of money, that's his advice. So it it might seem simple or basic, and if you are a finance geek, you're probably going, why would anyone do that? Well, why people do that? Because it's relatively low risk. And it's really simple. When I, I went to look and you just open an account, like opening any other bank account and put money in it. And it's that hard. And most of us, like you said earlier, don't have the time or the inclination or the ability to really understand investment markets. So if all you have to do is open an account and put money in it, that seems pretty simple. Yeah. And for the record, guys, if you don't know, an index fund, they also call them trackers, index trackers, is an investment fund. It's, it's usually a mutual fund, to use simple words that everybody understands, that basically aims to replicate the movement of a market or a particular fund. There are Dow Jones funds that follow the, the, the Dow Jones investment average, DGIA, DJIA. Um, there are um, funds that match the NASDAQ, the Deutsche Bourse. There's a FTSE fund that tracks the, the FTSE index. Yeah, and you want to stick with those well-known ones. Don't start investing in like the Chinese market or the Russian market. They're a bit more risky yeah. too. And, and people will tell you, oh gosh, you got to be overseas. Maybe that's so. If you're willing to take greater risk because the, the hotter a market is, the more it'll go down. We just, we're dealing right now as we're recording this with the issue of the Chinese market, the market in China dropping precipitously in the last couple of weeks. Um, but an index fund gets you exposure to that. 
when you invest in, for instance, the Dow Jones fund, and there, there are numerous ones, there's not just one, every mutual fund essentially has one, where they say, we're going to keep our costs low, and we're going to, and we're going to match what the Dow Jones does. And by the way, they're not trying to beat the Dow Jones, which is what every individual investment advisor is trying to do. They're just simply saying, we believe the Dow is going to go up, you know, three, five, seven percent, whatever it's going to go up. And we're going to try to match it with our investing, which, by the way, is not hard if you think about it, because the Dow is publicly available uh, and they can simply invest that money in the companies that make up the Dow Jones investment average. But what happens is, is people say, oh, I'm going to find a fund that invests in Malaysia or I'm going to find a fund that invests in, in South America. They're going to grow in the next 20 years. Well, you're not probably not smart enough to do that. Certainly, I'm not. Wendy's not. I don't know anybody, maybe know a few people who can do that, but not very many. But here's the other side. The Dow Jones fund, the companies that make up the Dow Jones or the FTSE or anywhere else are already investing in South America. Mm -hmm. If a large multinational corporation, if South America is really going to grow and that large multinational has 20 economists, investment people and so on, financial people, accounting people, they're looking at all these things and they're making choices. And if South America is going to grow, it's going to benefit those big companies that are part of the major index funds. And you reduce your risk by not going all in in case the fund invests in an area where there is a high return possibility. But again, there's a high risk. And, you know, in certain parts of the world, an invasion, a devaluation of currency, a change in power. Um, can cause ripple effects that you can't predict, but which major corporations may know something about or be careful about relative hedging their their investments. So an index fund gets you the benefit of the exposure of geniuses to the exposure of geniuses uh, while reducing your risk. Wendy, I thought before you go, I thought you had said to me something about Buffett made a bet with some hedge, hedge fund investors. 30 years ago, guys, nobody knew what a hedge fund was because they didn't really exist in a way that they do now. And hedge fund's a bit of a misleading name, but mostly when I say hedge funds, most of you would say, well, I know what hedge funds are. They're a chance to make a lot of money, right? They're, they're making targeted bets and so on. So Buffett, who doesn't really have a lot of use for hedge funds, although hedge fund people think Warren Buffett's a genius, he made a bet, right? Yeah. Uh, he said the index fund that he had selected would make more money than the hedge fund investors. So they both picked and they waited like a six months or a year, I think. And the hedge fund pick had increased 19% and Warren Buffett's index had increased 33, 63%. Not even like, that's three times as much. Yeah, he didn't pick a stock. The hedge fund picked a particular stock or perhaps a couple of stocks or perhaps a small range. Buffett picked a fund, and the fund was simply supposed to match what the market was doing. And when I say the market, what I mean is the indexes of markets that we use as proxies day to day to essentially represent how the market overall is doing. And in fact, for those of you who don't know, when we mention indexes, the companies that make up the index and the formula by which it's determined changes. The formula doesn't change. Well, indirectly, the formula changes. There are companies that come and go from the, not just the Fortune 500, which is not an index, but it's just a list of the 500 largest corporations, but the companies that are in the index, the Dow Jones, the FTSE, change 
based on whether or not they're representative of the investing world. But do this, Winnie, because I'm, I'm giving it at a high level. Give them a little bit more detail about what is an index fund. Okay, so this is a simple explanation. If you already know, feel free to fast forward 30 seconds. So let's imagine that I have $100 and I want to invest it. Even better, let's imagine you have $100 to invest every month, which almost everybody does. That would be better. So I decide that I think that Microsoft is a good company. I'm going to buy some shares yeah, in Yeah, let's world. pick a company. That's what people do. They pick companies. Yeah, yeah. I like Microsoft. Bill Gates is smart. Yeah. So I'm going to pick Microsoft. And um, I can only afford, it's $58 a share. So the first month, I can only afford one share. So that's all I've got. Just one share. One, do you call it a stock? Yes, we can yeah, do, yeah. Okay. In, in the U.S., we could call it a stock. It would be a certificate of a single share, but not that you would ever have the certificate. No, they're all electronic now. Yeah. So um, if we go back to December ni- 1999, and I paid that $58 for my share of Microsoft, by June 2nd in t- the year 2000, it would have only been worth $33. So I would have paid 58 and if I sold it back on June 2nd, I'd only get three, 33 for it. So I've lost like $25 in six months. So I think, well, that's not very good. What if I lose some more money? So I think, okay, I'm going to take my next $100 and I'm going to invest it in a different company that I think is going to do well. And hopefully that'll make up for the loss that I just made. Yeah, but it still boils down to your ability to pick. Exactly. And as much as anything, that this is like gambling, yeah. right? You lose a bet and now you try and win the money back by choosing something else. It's actually worse than gambling, of course, in many ways, partially because you understand the rules in gambling. Yeah. Most people do. But folks, let me just say perhaps the most important thing. If you're listening to this, and there are probably 2% exceptions, you don't know what you're doing in picking individual stocks. We'll certainly give you a pass if you have a retirement fund, a pension fund through your company that invests in your own company stock, although there's a lot of evidence suggests that's not a good idea. But other than that, um, your company being more biased toward buying your company's stock, you don't have the time. If your career is anything other than the stock market, you do not have the time to know enough to make a difference. And if index funds were not useful, Warren Buffett, of all people, would not recommend them. Yeah. So my second month, I pick something else and I lose that money too, or it goes down a long way. Now I've lost two months worth of money. But somewhere, somewhere there's a company that's going going up. And what an index fund it does is it it takes a selection based on some criteria, like being in the top 50 of the Fortune 50, um, or the FTSE 100, and it, it buys all the shares for all of those companies as equal the value that you're going to put in, and it buys those shares, and so you don't have to. So you don't have to be doing this weighing up of this company's losing and this company's winning. Over the long term, all of the indexes go up. Histo- well, yeah, l- let's be clear. Over the long term, it's inappropriate for us to say the value of all those goes up. What we say is, if you look at the history of the major stock indices, while there certainly have been downturns, the 1930s, of course, and 2008 to 2012, roughly, over the long term, if you get rid of any six-month period, 
and and what you're investing for is 30 years, 40 years after you start your career, um, it is inexorably upward. And and of course, the later you start in your career, folks, the more you have chance for catching a downturn. If you waited until you were 45, and then in 2005 you st- or 2008 you started investing in the stock market, you could say, "Well, the market didn't treat me very well for the five years I started investing." Well, okay, if you'd started 20 years before, it had done very well for you. And even if you'd invested, even if you'd chosen not to use an, invest- an index fund and you'd chosen Silicon Valley stocks in 1990 or 1995. And, and then have gone, you know, the market had gone south in 2000, assuming you didn't pick individual companies and, and really choose terribly poorly ones that went out of business. Yes, things would have gone down precipitously in the year 2000, but ultimately you would have, it would have come right back up and you'd have been in a much better place. Yeah. So uh, well, when we say over the long term, we're talking about 10, 20, 30 years, not like, 12 months that's yeah. not, that's not long term in investing yeah so, exactly. so your, your choice is to every month choose the stock based on what you think it's doing and where you think it's going and how it's going to balance something else that you've bought and so on which all sounds terribly complicated because you know investment bankers work like 23 hours a day trying to work this stuff out or you can invest in the index fund that does all of that for you it makes sure that the tracking is done so that it follows the market so if the if the market's on the rise you never say guaranteed but the if the market's on the rise the index should rise but even put it more simply if and should are words we don't have to say in the long term the most steady likely increase in the value of any investment is in an index fund and any any change from that increases your risk because of your relative lack of knowledge Okay, you're a dumb player in the market. No offense, so are we. And you can simply outsource the thinking about your investing, and in doing so, you reduce the risk of your dumbness. That's what it boils down to. Okay, and and this takes us into our next point, which is don't try and predict the market, right? Yeah, exactly. So one of the reasons people recommend index funds is they require no thinking right you like i said you just open the account put the money in it and everything else is done for you there's a you know there's i don't know 100 people sitting there what managing the fund and deciding what to do with it and deciding the relative uh purchase of stocks and all that kind of stuff and you just you, you don't do anything you don't have to think about it you just make um one of those uh deposits that goes off monthly and you never have to think about it again which is like that's mine you do have to pay a little bit there's there's a fee because all of those people are doing the work for you but it's the fee versus you know a hundred hours of your time fairly often to work out what's going on yeah and folks even if you love investing and you want to do it we would recommend that you take some small percentage of your investment uh, of the amount of money you designate for investing and for your future let's say if you you're you're living on 20 percent or 80 percent of your take-home pay and 20 percent available invest 15 percent in a next fund and take that other five percent and play with it you re, you reduce your risk maybe you'll get a big hit maybe you'll get lucky but you're dumb even if it's your hobby, the, the difference between us, those of you listening, and 
the people who are in the markets is the difference between an amateur baseball team and a professional baseball team. And the amount of time they spend on it, the amount of effort they do, um, and the studying they have to do, and the fact that in most modern countries, you have to be licensed to do it, all of that works against the individual investor. And that's why they're individual investment advisors, but you don't even need one of those. And having to pay attention to Greece and China and problems that Chevron is having with production or the problem that Walmart is having in the United States with pressure on wages to be raised because of the discussion about minimum wage and so on, even though Walmart responded by raising wages. It's hard. The complexity is enormous. Again, if Warren Buffett says to invest in an index fund, it's a no-brainer. Okay, good. Last, last piece of guidance, keep it simple, right? Keep it simple, which I think we've been saying all the way through. Nobody ever says they've got too much time. Have you noticed that? Nobody ever says, like, I'm sitting around doing nothing, like past, like, 15, where you always say, I'm bored. Some people do. <laughs> okay. Immature people complain about being bored. And it's funny, I've always found it funny that people who want to live forever seem to always be complaining about having nothing to do over a weekend. It's like, really? The only people who should be able to live forever, who should be able to get more time, are the people who get everything out of the time that they have. And the problem with this is if you're spending time on investing, you're spending time on something you're not very good at. It may be fun, but I would argue that if you're spending time on investing and you're wondering how you can get more time on your family, that's easy. Do better in investing and spend more time on your family by investing in an index fund. And frankly, in the long run, that investment that you have will be much less effective for you than increasing your take-home pay and then the percentage of how much you're investing, assuming markets generally go up, although not as fast as everybody wants, gives you a lot more benefit. So the time you ought to be spending is on your family and on the way you generate primary revenue because an extra hour early in your career, reading books, learning more, developing relationships, achieving results will lead to a lot more available cash for investing and you don't have to spend any time on investing. Keeping simple, that's uh, over the last like year, year and a half, I have really gone for this. Like I don't shop around, I go to Amazon because yeah. I know I can do it in like two minutes. I don't do my laundry, somebody does it for me. Yeah, but, but, but your point is interesting. You keep it simple. We all have too much to do. You're not going to great do joy out of shopping. And so you've simplified. You've said, I'm only going to go to Amazon. Mm -hmm. And and somebody would say, well, geez, you know, you could go to Bed Bath & Beyond. You know, you could go you here. Could, you could I this. could get a bargain you could, somewhere you, you, else. You yeah, could and think, I could also you could spend think an hour about looking. It more. Yeah, you could spend an hour looking, which costs you money relative to your value to the rest of the world. And you don't get a great deal of joy out of it. And the marginal savings may not be enough to justify, is not enough to justify if your issue is time. So much of life boils down to time and money in the modern world. Um, the same thing with me. I go to Amazon all the time. I use satisficing techniques all the time where I say, okay, I'm not, I'm just not going to do it. You know, I'm going to make it super easy so that I don't have to think about the logistics, the operationality of the various things I'm doing. And unless you love dealing with your finances, we're talking about beyond simply 
sticking to your budget and so on, you pick an index fund. Warren Buffett recommends it and he even tells you which one to invest in and all you have to do is open an account. I was like, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, done. There you go. Okay, so summarize for us. So uh, we talked about invest 20% of your income, put that money in low interest, in low cost index funds. Don't try to predict the market and keep it simple. And if you're looking for the one, I'm sure if you put in Warren Buffett low cost index fund, you'll find it. But if you just type in low cost index funds, you'll get thousands of them. We're not Warren Buffett, but we'd like to believe that with a million listeners a month, people are listening to our guidance about careers. And we're not Warren Buffett about investing, but Warren Buffett is. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks. Bye, everyone. That's everybody. Part of our continuing series about managing those parts of your personal life that affect your professional career. Come back next week. Career Tools produces actionable guidance for professionals every week. To receive additional materials via our newsletter and to find products for situations you may face, go to www.managertools.com. Search for Career Tools on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you.